You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. pastor and worship leader here at Tyler Christian Fellowship and if this is your first time visiting with us uh, we like we have a little saying around here it goes something like this this may be your first time here um, and you may be new to this place but your Heavenly Father knows you he loves you and he knows exactly how to speak to you this morning and uh, so we just invite you to sit back open your heart and just receive all that he has for you this morning um, we believe that no matter who's sharing God is here and he's always speaking he wants to speak right to your heart, so just open your heart and receive it this morning. Amen? Was Brother Joe set, I mean, as uh, Brother Caleb, whoops, yeah, as Caleb uh, was mentioning a while ago about his dad, Brother Joe, our senior pastor, uh, he is out this Sunday, and uh, we're just covering him in prayer as they're up in uh, Spokane, Washington for uh, Joanne Fowler's funeral, and uh, so we're just praying traveling mercies over them. And for God to be with them and to and just bring grace to all those up there who are needing it so uh, badly. But So therefore, in his place today, I have the privilege and opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you. Um, it's always a blessing for me anytime I get to, um, uh, to hear the word of the Lord through the week and then share what is on his heart with you. And I believe today he's got a really uh, great word for us. Um, we have no other announcements this morning, so at this time, I'm going to go ahead and release the children to go to children's ministry. So let's lift them up as they go out, uh, them and their teachers. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for uh, these children. They are a blessing, Lord God. They are an inheritance, Lord God. And uh, we're just so delighted that you've given us stewardship over their lives, and uh, Father, Uh, stewardship in this season, Lord God, this short season that we have with them. We pray a blessing over them as they go out this morning. Uh, We pray, Father, by the work of the Holy Spirit that their hearts would just be opened uh, to receive all that you have for them today. And we also speak a blessing over their teachers, Lord. Just, uh, Father, empower their teachers by the Holy Spirit uh, to just uh, minister and reach each child uh, individually to connect with each one in a special way this morning. Uh, Just give them grace, Lord God, as they're over there serving. They've made it easy for us to come in and to just relax in your presence. They're doing the work over there so that we can be refreshed over here. So, Lord, we pray a blessing over them that, Father, uh, as your word says, those who refresh shall they themselves be refreshed. So we speak that over the teachers and uh, everyone who's serving in ministry today, Lord. We thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, as you guys know, we've been talking about this for several weeks, that at the beginning of every new year, we as a body, uh, we do a six-week-long corporate time of prayer, fasting, and seeking the face of God together. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in worship, we've been meeting here every Wednesday for an hour of just worship uh, and kind of targeted prayer, praying over things. Uh, for the body here at TCF and for the new year, really just seeking God's heart, trying to hear his heart for this year and move accordingly. And we've been doing it corporately, but we've also been encouraging uh, everybody to do this individually, to spend time every day, to set aside just some point in your day to meet with the Lord, to spend time uh, in prayer with him, getting to know his heart, seeking him for what he would have for you personally this year. Because God has a vision for us as a body, but he also has a vision for each one of us individually. You're uniquely created, you're God's workmanship, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Our job is to seek his heart, exactly what that plan and purpose is. And so during this uh, six-week time at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to just spend with him and to hear his heart, to really get to know him. Um, As I've been doing that, um, I was sharing with the worship team earlier this morning that I have had some powerful, powerful encounters with God. It has been amazing. Um, Anybody else here been encountering God? Yeah, come on. It has been, it has been like, knock your socks off. Like, um, 
getting to know his heart better. He's given me breakthrough in some things I've been praying about for a while, revelation into some things. Um, it has just been the first three weeks of this, three or four weeks of, of this has been personally for me just so powerful, so refreshing, and I have needed every minute of that time that I've had in his presence. It's been challenging. I feel like I've been running 100 miles an hour, and my wife can testify to that, that since before Christmas, I feel like I've just been running a dead sprint and have not stopped. And so I have needed every moment that I have had in God's presence over the last few weeks. Uh, this morning, what I'm going to share comes right from a, an encounter time that I had with the Lord as I was praying for our body, seeking His heart, specifically knowing that I was going to be preaching for a couple of weeks, um, knowing that, uh, just believing that God wants to speak. He wants to inform and impart his heart to us um, for what's happening right now. I, I believe that God has a now word for us today. And so that's what he's been giving me over the last couple of weeks, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share a couple of things that I feel like God has really impressed upon my heart um, over the last couple of weeks that he wants to see us corporately and individually but really corporately begin to move in at deeper levels. Uh, the first thing that God laid on my heart is that he wants us to move in freedom. That's a big word. There's a lot to that word. But he wants us to walk in freedom and more unhindered than ever before. He wants us to not be tangled up by things from the past, weighed down, or worried about regrets from the past. He wants us to cut free and run with him this year in freedom. Why does he want that? This is what I feel like he spoke to me whenever that word was given. He wants us as a body to be fleet-footed, to be quick, to be ready to move when he says move, to be ready to respond when he says go. He doesn't want us to have to spend time psyching ourselves up or getting ourselves ready or trying to figure out how we're going to do it. He wants people who are free, and when he says go, they go. Because I believe God has opportunities for us this year that we haven't had before. I believe there's some things in front of us this year that God is going to give us to do that are going to require us to be responsive, that are going to require us to move when he says move. Amen? And so he wants people who are free, and he doesn't want people bound up or tripped up or held up by anything from the past or anything even in the present. He wants a free a people. Um, Brother Joe has said a couple of times recently, he feels in his heart, and, and it's not just him. I mean, I've heard this echoed um, from a lot of different pulpits around the world. Time is short. There's a window of opportunity right now that we have in the earth today to move and to be about the business of the kingdom. The window is short and it's closing. And God is saying, get ready. Be ready to move. Be ready to go. And he wants us to be in that position where when those opportunities come, we're ready, that we are free, that we're moving in that type of freedom. Um, there's a word, kairos. Anybody heard that word before? It's a Greek word. It means it's like those God moments, those divinely appointed God moments or God seasons where he is moving, where there is power and the spirit is moving and you are present in that moment with him and you have an opportunity that you've never had before. Those are God moments. And I really feel like the burden of my heart this year is that he's going to give you, he's going to give us, Kairos moments this year, and he wants us to be ready. Um, there are moments like that that come when you're least expecting them. There's moments like that that come when God just hand delivers <clears throat> people right to you that desperately need a touch. Uh, we, a couple of weeks ago, well, it's been a few weeks back now, Emily and I were... Um, we were out to eat with another couple, and um, we always, we do this every time, and I think you guys, a lot of you guys do too. We've been doing this as a church for years. When you're out to eat, 
um, you always pause for a moment and you ask your waiter or your waitress before you eat, you ask them, is there anything that you need prayer for? When we bless our food, is there anything that we can pray for you about? So we've been doing this for a long time. This is a kind of a part of our church culture here. And uh, we've been amazed over the years at some of the responses that we've had. People in, at that moment are, you know, just can't believe that you're asking them that. And then, and, and wouldn't you know, they have all kinds of needs and issues. Well, that happened to us a few weeks back. We were meeting with another couple at Texas Roadhouse, and waitress comes over, and we say, uh, we, we're getting ready to bless the food. Actually, uh, two waitresses came over. One brought the food, and the other one came to make sure we're okay. And I'm like, yes, two for the price of one. So they're standing there, and we say, uh, you know, before we bless the food, we just want to know, is there anything that we can pray for you guys uh, um, for? Is there any, any needs that you have? Is there anything that you, you really need to see God move in? And this girl starts almost immediately weeping. She's just like, I can't believe you're asking me that. Like, she's overcome. And this girl's like, wow. She's like taken back too. And she's like, okay, well, so I'm facing some serious health issues. And possibly could be cancer, but they don't know, and I, I'm scared to death. And then this other girl has a family member that she's really uh, close to who's having major heart surgery, and it's like life or death type stuff, and they're both just a, a mess. So we just say, get in the booth. <laughs> so Like, scoot over, and we just invite them to sit down with us. They sit down, and, um, and so we just tell them, you know what, it's no coincidence that we're here today. It's no coincidence that you guys came to this table at the same time. God, God knows. He knows the needs of your heart, and He's here, and He wants to minister to you. So we're just going to pause for a moment and pray over you guys. And so we did. We just put our hands on them, and we just, you know, thanked God for this moment. And we just spoke some things over them and, and prayed for healing in both of their situations. And, of course, they're coming undone. And, of course, we're coming undone. I mean, it was like amazing, amazing moment. It's a Kairos moment. The whole year is loaded with those if we want them, if we're ready, if we're willing to step outside of that, that, that little comfort zone that we put around ourselves where we say, we don't want to be bothered by anything. I've got my schedule to keep. I've got, I've got things to do. I, 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 I'm not ready for this spiritually. I'm kind of in a dry place. I haven't been with the Lord. I'm not ready to pray for anybody. If we're willing to, to set that stuff aside and just be obedient to the Father. There are moments like that for us this year. Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? Amen? Yes, I'm ready. Let me tell you, when you find yourself in that moment and when you find it going down like that, you find what you were created for. In that moment, you find out exactly what you were created for. It was for moments like that that we think this is doing church that's church we had church at texas roadhouse that day it was good some of the best communion i've ever had boy y'all are asleep. <laughs> all right hallelujah well i'm excited i am thrilled about all that god is doing about all that god has spoken uh, to us so far in this journey and i just want to encourage you keep your heart open he wants to give us freedom. He wants to give us freedom to move just like I described this year. He wants to take us to a deeper level of that right there. And he's just looking for willing hearts that are ready to go with him. Um, God's great, one of God's greatest gifts to mankind is freedom. You ever think about that? When he created us, he created us for freedom. He is not a micromanaging, bully kind of guy. He didn't create us to do that with us. He created man, and his heart for us was always to have someone to have fellowship with and community with and to give freedom to, to co-labor in the earth with. And that's what it's all about. God has always wanted a people like us to give freedom to, to have us move in freedom. He did it with Adam in the garden Adam, God could have done everything. He could have created, 
He could have named everything. He could have taken care of everything. But he didn't. He chose not to. He gave Adam a measure of freedom. And he said, name the animals. What do you want to name them? He said, work the land. Take care of it. He said, take dominion over the whole earth. Multiply. Be fruitful and fill it. So he gives Adam an immense amount of freedom up front to live in and to abide in. That's what God wants to give us, a space of freedom just to operate in and to move in and to unfold his will in the earth through. He wants to give that to us. He wants us to be a people who live that way with him and that kind of connection with him. Here's the problem, though. By giving us that kind of freedom, by giving mankind that kind of freedom, the door swung open for another possibility. And, of course, Adam chose the other possibility when he sinned and fell. He chose to disobey God And the freedom that was intended, given to him, that God would give him to choose God, he used to choose sin. And when he sinned, he broke that relationship with God. He damaged, he hurt it, and he hid in shame. Here's the thing about sin. Sin is like a politician. It always promises what it can't deliver. Amen? It tells you it's going to do something for you, and then you bite it. And it does just the opposite of what it promised. Sin promises freedom. But when you take the bite, you land in bondage and in slavery. Sin always promises pleasure. And then there is pleasure in sin for a season. But on the other side of that season is an immense amount of pain and struggle. Anybody feeling me this morning? You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one here been down that road? Amen? I feel like I'm in good company this morning. There's also the promise that it's going to complete your life. You ever heard that one? Just do this. Just hook up with that. Just go that way, and all the answers will come. You'll feel so completed and so filled and so um, whole. But on the other side of that is nothing but emptiness and isolation and separation. Sin always promises what it can't deliver. What it does deliver is the opposite of what it promises. Um, There are, how many of you guys, we've been talking about this for a little bit. How many of you guys are trying to read through the Bible again this year? Y'all going through the Bible? Okay, wow, a lot of y'all are stepping up on that challenge. There are, um, as you look through the books of the Bible, there are, there's just story after story after story of, of man losing his freedom and God rescuing him and giving him his freedom back. And then man lives with God and follows God for a while and, and he lives within that space of freedom that God gives him and then before too long, he begins to veer off and he gets himself back into bondage. Like the children of Israel following idols and going after false gods again and again they trade their freedom away for something that's not even real and God steps in and rescues and delivers them from the hands of their enemy it's like the Bible is just this long story of bondage and freedom and bondage and freedom and bondage and freedom until finally God comes he father God does the ultimate checkmate and sends Jesus and Jesus once and for all on the cross defeats sin and robs it of its power and purchases our freedom for all eternity, for those who would believe in him, for those who would receive it. It's the ultimate checkmate to sin and to the power of the enemy's bondage. But here's the deal that I want to stress this morning. That freedom that we have, that God gives us, it's more than a position because we say we're free, right? We say, no, I'm, I'm free. I'm living a free life in Christ. We say that, and we say this is our position of freedom, but freedom is not just a position. Freedom is, an, is a process. It is an, it's something that must be exercised on a regular basis. When this country was founded, when we won our independence from, uh, from England, we were free. But was that the end of the story? Not even by a long shot. 
There was a process to that freedom. We had to establish a government. We had to establish an education system. We had to establish uh, the church. We had to do a lot of things to make sure that within that realm of freedom that we had won, that we maintained it. Freedom is a process. If it's not exercised, if you're not exercising freedom, then you really don't have freedom. You're just saying you're free, but you're really not. True freedom is freedom that is lived out. It's exercised. And that's what I want to talk about today. So how do we do that? How do we exercise our freedom uh, as believers? What are the things that hinder us from walking in freedom? What are they? What are some of the things that just trip us up? We say we're free and we, we live our lives Monday through Sunday. What are the things that interfere, that hinder, that step in the way uh, of that freedom, of living it out, of exercising it the way that God intended us to? One of the big ones is this. We exercise our freedom by being free from our past. Our past is one of the biggest hindrances to what God has in front of us. Our habits, our hang-ups, our hurts, our old wounds, our addiction, all the stuff, all the junk that maybe we left behind and we are departing from and going and trying to go a new direction as a new creation away from. It's that stuff that if it's not properly dealt with can interfere with the newfound freedom that God has for us on the other side of that experience of leaving it behind. We have to make a hard break from the past. And when I say past, what I really felt like God was speaking this morning was regret. Regret over the past is one of the greatest hindrances that to your uh, moving forward in the Lord. When you, when you choose to dwell on mistakes that you've made or failures that you've had, or regrets. Were they real? Yes. Do you deny them? No. But to camp out around those things and still allow them to define you now as a new creation is a huge mistake. It's a hindrance to your freedom, and God wants to set you free from that. Uh, if that's you today, if you're dragging around an anchor of regret behind you. God wants to snap the chain. I hope you experience some of that in worship today. He just wants to set you free. He just wants you to feel unhindered again. He's dealt with your sin at the cross. He's not hung up on your sin. He dealt with it. What he is worried about is your freedom. Are you free? Do you know you're free? Are you ready to walk in it? As I've been going back through the Bible again myself, um, there is uh, something that I really felt like is a now word for us today. Uh, just you, you ever read through the word and like something just boom jumps off the page at you and you're like, wow, that is just God's heart. I came across um, a, just a small sentence in Deuteronomy that I felt like the Lord said, this is what I'm talking about. This is what is my heart for you and for Tyler Christian Fellowship this year in this, as, we, as it pertains to freedom. Um, just to give you just a kind of a catch-up version of before I get to the book of Deuteronomy where this little sentence comes from, um, just to kind of give you a brief catch-up on the story, God's people, Israel, finds themselves in bondage in Egypt, living as slaves under Pharaoh's whip. 400 years, 430 years, they spend under Pharaoh's whip. God, through an, um, a miracle, a set of just unbelievable miracles, ten plagues, sets Israel free. They're free to leave, and he's given them a promised land. It was, this, it was the land that was promised to their forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's the, it's the promised land. God has always had this space, this place of freedom in store for them. They settled at Egypt, and then they fell into slavery. Well, God moves, and he sets them free, and they begin their journey towards the promised land. And they're going, and they get out in the wilderness. They spend some time at Mount Sinai. God meets with Moses, 
Charlton Heston goes up the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and he he uh, he tells the people the covenant that God has made with them, that God that they are God's people, and he basically gives them the law. And so they begin their trek towards the Promised Land. They get um, out uh, to the edge of the Promised Land to a valley, and they send in the, the uh, 12 spies. We all know the story. We've all been to, most of us have been to Sunday school. The 12 spies go in to Canaan. They spy out the land. 10 come back. Let me say this. Let's give the good news first. Two come back. Caleb and Joshua come back, and they're like, it's awesome. It's everything that God told us it would be. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's unbelievable land for, uh, for uh, vineyards and, and gardens, and, and it's just amazing. It'll be a perfect place for livestock, and it's just, they're just so stoked because the promised land is everything that God said it was, and they're so excited that they're about to finally get this land that they've heard about for all these generations. The other ten come back, and their report is quite the opposite. They look at the land, and instead of seeing everything that God has promised them, they see everything that's standing in the way of those promises. And they come back, and their report is, we can't do it. Uh, it's, it's, it's fortified. It's got walls. They've got an army. And not only that, the Amalekites, the, there are giants in the land. And they're like, we looked at ourselves, and compared to them, we're like grasshoppers. They come back with a completely different report. Well, majority rules. The people go into an uproar. What have you done to us, Moses? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die out here? You know what? And so God meets with Moses, and He tells Moses, He's like, "I heard what the people said, and I'm real disappointed." And He said, "I'm so disappointed that they are not going to inherit the land." That entire generation of fighting men, all of those people who, who are, who are uh, afraid to walk into the promises I have for them will never inherit the promised land. And he says, take them back out to the wilderness. So Moses goes back with the bad news and he tells Israel, this is what God has said because you refused to believe him and walk into the promises that he had for you. You must walk. We have to go back out to the wilderness. The promised land is not ours. Well, then they freak out because they realize they're about to lose the promised land. They realize we've made a huge mistake. And they tell Moses, forget it. We're going. We're going in. We're going. We're, we'll take the land. And God tells Moses, tell them not to do that because I ain't with them. I'm not going with them. If they go back in there, they're on their own. And Moses tries to, to warn them, but they don't listen. And they go back in and they get their heads handed to them, in some cases literally, by the Amorites. The hill country people come down, swarm them like bees, and drive them out. And so now, instead of, like my, the title of my sermon this morning, instead of the walk of freedom, now they're turning their back to the promised land and walking into the wilderness. It's a walk of shame. Back out to the wilderness. It's a walk of regret. And they spend the next 40 years wandering around the wilderness. In circles, basically. It's a sad tale. It's a sad story. But God being true to his word, at the end of those 40 years, he comes to Moses and he says this, and this is the word, this is what literally jumped off the page at my heart. Deuteronomy 2, verse 2 and 3, And the Lord spoke to me, saying, you have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. You have circled this mountain long enough. That's a now word for us this year. Because God wants us to walk in freedom. But if we are circling around the mountains of our past failures and our past mistakes and our regrets 
and all those other things, if we are walking around those things, we are not in the promised land. We can't even find our way to the promised land. And just like Israel, we will wander around the mountains. I don't know what your mountains are. I've had a few that even within the last two or three weeks, God has said, it's time to move on. It's time to be free from that. I don't know what your mountains are today, but that is a now word for us as a people and as a body. So let that, let that go into your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit massage that into your heart for just a minute. You have circled around that mountain, whatever that mountain is for you. God says you have circled around it long enough. It is time to move on and move in to what he has for you. This is a new year, and this is a brand new season for you. So just respond to that word this morning. Just let the Holy Spirit continue to massage that into your heart this morning. Ask him, what are the mountains? What are the things that I have not been able to get over? What is that little bit of bitterness over that one thing? Or what is that old wound? What is that old betrayal? What is that, what is that thing that is holding my heart up from moving in freedom? What is the stronghold? You know, in some cases, it's a, it's a stronghold. The enemy has gained a foothold there. You know what a stronghold is? It's a thought pattern that you revert to so often that it becomes like your default setting on your computer. You just default to bitterness. Or you default to discouragement. Or you default to uh, whatever it may be. When you find yourself, when you find yourself drifting to an old familiar negative pattern of thinking and it becomes your default position, that is now a stronghold in your life. And God wants to break that. He wants to pull it down if you're laboring under something like that this morning. He's got power to set you free. And He wants to do it. Does it? We are not created to walk in circles. Now in the natural, we walk in circles. I was, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I was reading a story um, recently about a German um, institute that was conducting a study. It was a, they were a biological cybernetics, how's this, wrote it down, biological cybernetic company in Germany. And they conducted a study, because we've all heard that if you're out in the wilderness, um, you can find yourself naturally walking in circles if you don't know what you're doing. And so they were kind of coming up with some new GPS equipment, and they wanted to test that and, and see how that works. So they took um, some test subjects out, and they divided them up, and they put some of them in a desert and some of them in a forest. And here's the only instruction they gave them is, we want you to walk in a straight line. So... They go out and they start walking, uh, uh, and they do fine. The, both sets are doing fine as long as it's daylight, as long as they have a point of reference, the sun, and then at night, if the moon was bright enough or the stars were bright enough, they had a point of reference. They managed to sort of stay on course and walk in a straight line. But they found that on cloudy days or nights where, where people lost their frame of reference, where they had nothing to follow, a fixed point to lock onto, their natural tendency was to begin to turn at right angles. And they would walk in circles. And e here's what's funny about this, is that even after they showed the test subjects proof that that's what they were doing, they refused to believe it. They were like, there's no way. I know I was walking a straight line. I could feel myself going straight. There's no way I was turning at right angles like that. Even after seeing the data, here's the point I'm making with that, that God did not create us spiritually to do what Israel did in the wilderness, to walk in circles. He created us to fix our eyes on him. He is our focal point. This is what Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says. This is, the, this is how to keep from doing that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out uh, for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
the stuff that we're talking about doing in, uh, over these next six weeks, that's what it is. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's finding that fixed point by which we say, there it is. There's true north for the year. That's true north for 2019. And we don't look at anything else. We don't look at the distractions. We don't look at the past. We don't look at anything else that would throw us off course and cause us to walk in circles. We meet with him on a daily basis and we align our hearts and we fix our spiritual eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I think it's awesome that so many of us are reading through the Bible this year. But I want to encourage you to go deep. And here's what I mean by that. Don't make that time with the Lord simply an academic um, practice. That's good to know theology and to, and to study. I just spent almost a year and a half finishing my ministry stuff, education. And it was, yeah, it was cool. I loved it. It was great. There's a lot of stuff that's just so good in here that you need to learn the theology and doctrine. But there are those moments with God where it's just being with Him. Not, not only learning about Him, but being with Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no substitute for that. There is no substitute. When Emily and I were dating... Um, this is a long time ago, before cell phones, before texting, and email wasn't, I mean, everybody's computer was so slow, so the way we communicated was probably the way you guys, a lot of you guys communicated. We wrote notes to each other. We wrote letters. And so I was recently um, at my parents' house, and I found uh, a, an old box of stuff from high school, and in that box was an, uh, a big coffee can full of all these love letters that Emily and I had written back and forth to each other when we were in high school. And I remember when I would get those letters in high school, um, and I would read them, and I'd just be like, oh, that's so awesome that she loves me that way, that she thinks of me that way. Thank you, God, for blinding her eyes, and just thank you for just, she's over, able to overlook so much and care about me this way. And I would just, be, I would just treasure those notes, and I bet you did too. You know, you just hold on to those. I bet you reread them a bunch. But here's the thing. When I was with Emily, when we were out on a date, I didn't sit with her and read, read the notes. I just put the note aside and I just focused on her. I wanted to be in her presence. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to talk with her. I wanted to hear her heart. I wanted to share my heart with her. The letters helped me know her heart. The letters helped establish our relationship. The letters were a support and a strength, and, and, and there was a lot I learned about her through the letters, but there's so much that I learned just being with her, just hearing her heart. And that's what God wants from us this year. He wants you to receive His letters and to know them backwards and forwards to see his heart in here, but he also wants you to make that time where you just sit in his presence and you open your spiritual ears and you listen and you share your heart with him and he shares his heart with you and you connect. It's a love relationship. It's not an academic, a, a mental academic ascent into the knowledge of him. That's great that we know theology. God wants us to, but oh, even more important than that, He wants you to know Him. He wants you to have His heart. He wants to spend time with you every day. And, and the most important thing about that time with Him is it realigns your heart with true north. When you come out of those moments with Him, everything seems so much more clear. Amen? You spend time with Him like that, you prevent yourself from wandering around in circles. Old familiar patterns, old familiar habits, hang-ups, addictions, whatever. You spend time with Him, aligning your heart with Him. He is your true north. 
And he wants you to walk in it this year. He wants to set you free. If you found yourself wandering this year, if you found yourself drifting or going into a place where you feel as though, man, I need to find true north again. I need to, I need to, get, I need to get my fix, my points fixed again on Jesus. If that's you this morning, that's what he wants to do. He's here. He's here to meet with you. Open your heart. We're going to spend some time here in just a minute in prayer. And you have a moment, if that's you, and you want to connect with him, he's here. Let's finish this. Um, there's a, one other part that uh, God wants to set us free uh, as we exercise our freedom this year, uh, that God wants to set us free in and set us free. Let me say it this way. He wants to set you free and deliver you through some things. I had a word uh, Wednesday night when we were here having our worship time and prayer. Um, God was reminding me of this time whenever I uh, this was about 13 or 14 and I was fishing and I caught a bass. I loved to fish. It was my favorite thing to do growing up. I was fishing in my uncle's pond. I caught a big bass and I bent down to pick it up and when I picked it up it shook and it threw the hook right into my hand. Right into the webbing of my hand. The hook went in and stuck. And, and the more the bass wiggled, the more the deeper it went. And I finally got the fish off, and I walked up to my uncle's house, and he tried to pull it out with pliers, and I just, it just hurt so bad. So he said, we're going to have to take you to the doctor. So we go, we go to the doctor, he looks at it, and he says, there's no way that I can pull this out. I'm going to have to push it through. It's like, oh, no, you know. And so he does. He gives me a shot. He, num he numbs it a little bit, and then he begins to push through. And I, it, it hurt, I'm not going to lie. But in just about a second or two, it just it came out the other side. And he took a pair of pliers, and he clipped that barb out, and he pulled it out. He said, you're free. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I would have never chosen to have the hook removed that way. Never would have chosen to walk through, to go through, go about it that way. But he knew best. He knew how to get it out of me. He knew the best way. God brought that story back to my memory on Wednesday night, and I feel like it was just so specific um, for, for us as a body. I feel like there are moments where we need deliverance from things in the past or from things right here, right now. But then there are moments where God says, I'm not going to deliver you from it. I'm going to deliver you through it. We're going to walk through this together. We're going to go through this together. Why does he do that? Why did he just take all the bad stuff away? That's what we pray, right? Take it away. And God sometimes says, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to deliver you through this. I've got a plan and a purpose for whatever it is. Paul, remember Paul? The thorn in the side praying three times for God to deliver him and God won't do it. God reveals to Paul that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And if that's you, if, if that word is for you this morning and you've prayed and you've asked and you've sought the Lord and He isn't taking it away, maybe shift your prayer to this, Lord, if you're not going to deliver me from it, then I'm trusting that you're going to deliver me through it. Help me know you're here. Help me be aware of your presence. And let me feel your power so that we can walk through this together because you've got purposes even in the hard stuff. He wants to reveal to you that it's his power in you that's going to bring you through this. There's a, just real quickly in uh, Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. These are people who were extreme, under extreme persecution. We're hard-pressed on every side. This is Paul talking, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. If there's anyone who ever needed deliverance from, from anything, it would be Paul and the people who traveled with him. All the hard stuff that he describes here that they went through. 
But God didn't deliver them from it. He delivered them through it. And the part that I underlined there is the most important part for us today. He does it to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. And maybe today you just need a reminder of that, that His power is made perfect in your weakness. You just need to feel that today. You need to be reminded of that today. That's one of God's purposes for taking us through uh, times that are hard. And the other one, and I'm about to land it on this one, when God doesn't deliver you from something, but He delivers it you through something, there is a purpose that is for you, but it's also for other people. 2 Corinthians 1, 6 says, if we are distressed, he's writing again to the Corinthians, he says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're, if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. In other words, what Paul is saying here is the junk that we're going through the stuff that we're walking through, the hard stuff, but that God's faithfulness and power is carrying us through, this is for you. This is so that you can understand that He comforts this way. And you're able to take the comfort that He's giving you and go comfort others. You're able to take the freedom that He's giving you and you're able to go set other people free. You're able to take the power that He's giving you and you're able to go lift up a weaker person than you. When God delivers you through a circumstance, that's, an, that's another thing that you need to be mindful of. He's not delivering me from it because he wants to use this as a way to help me help other people. Amen? He sets you free to set free. We are set free to set free. There are purposes. God never wastes a trial of your life. He doesn't. There are redemptive purposes even in the hardest seasons of our lives. Amen? So we're going to close for a moment. I've said a whole lot in a short amount of time, but we want to spend just a minute uh, minute or two in prayer this morning, um, just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Um, if something that I've said this morning really spoke to you, or you really felt like, man, he is, God is reading my mail, that's because he loves you. That's because he knew he, you were going to be here. It's because he knew he, he was speaking to this morning. And he just wants you to, to remind you, he's here. He knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you've been. He knows, the hook, he knows the hook that's in you that needs to come out. He knows the situation that you're walking through that he wants to literally carry you and deliver you through. He knows. He cares about you. He loves you. He's here. So we're going to spend just a little bit of time in prayer this morning. So uh, Lisa's going to lead us through some worship. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Let's just bow our hearts before him in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Still your heart before him for a moment. Let him speak to you. Heavenly Father, you know us. You know us better than anybody. And there's nothing we want to hold back this morning. And we just respond to you this morning. We say, yes, Lord, we want to walk in freedom at a deeper level than we've ever walked in it before. And if there's things from our past that are holding us back this morning, we want to, we want to turn them over to you. Regrets, disappointments, failures, bitterness, hurt, wounds, all the things, Lord God, that the enemy would want us this, this morning to hinder our freedom this year. We want to disarm the enemy by laying those things at your feet. So God, our hearts are open to you this morning, and we just respond to you. We say, Holy Spirit, search our hearts right now. Search deeply. Bring up to the surfaces even those things that we thought we were over, but somehow they still have a hook in us. Holy Spirit, come right now and reveal those areas of our heart where we need freedom 
give them to you right now in this moment. Take them, take us, have our hearts this morning. We embrace your freedom. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to spend a moment. The altar is open to you. If you want to come and pray, uh, Emily and I will be here in the front to pray with you if you need it. Or if you just want to spend time at the altar releasing anything to the Lord or just being refreshed in His presence, we're just going to take a minute to do that. But let's respond to the Lord as He's speaking to your heart this morning. Thank you. by uh, Helen Clark 
felt like the Lord had laid this scripture on her heart for somebody here this morning. And um, so I'm just going to share this in obedience. Um, it really fell in line with where we went today. It says, um, Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. And their faces are never covered with shame. Amen. So this morning, if that word is hitting you in the heart, the Lord is delivering you from all your fears. And I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what is coming against you in this moment, this week, this year. But the Lord says, do not fear. He is for you. He's with you. He's going to deliver you through it. He's going to carry you. You can lean into Him for His strength this year. So this is your moment. This is your time. Let's just open our hearts before Him as we close. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord, for Your unfailing love. Thank You for Your perfect love that casts out all fear. So, Lord God, we just say this morning... Let the perfect love of God be our default position this week as we go into our week. Father, as we face challenges, as we face those things that have been anxious, that has caused anxiousness and sleepless nights and stress and that have tied our stomachs up in knots, that have kept us in a place of fear, we say you are Lord over those things today. We say we choose to not fear. We choose to believe Your Word. We choose to receive Your Word into our hearts as a promise that those who look to You shall not be put to shame. But as this Word says, our faces shall be radiant. So Lord, those who have been in struggles, Lord God, or in strongholds or in bondages, those who are releasing to You this morning, As we leave this place today, let our faces radiate with the glory of God. Let our lives radiate with the glory and freedom of God. So much so that tomorrow at work or this week in our workplaces or wherever you have us, that people would say, man, what is different about you? Something's going on with you. What's so different? And we can testify to the goodness of God who delivers us from all our fears who brings us into a new place of freedom. Thank you, God. I pray across this body this morning that as we go into a new week, that it would be filled with kairos moments, Lord God. Divine appointment moments. And that when we find ourselves in those places in time where heaven and earth are intersecting, Lord God, that we would not be afraid, that we would be bold, and that we would step forward, and that, Father, we would testify to the love of God and the freedom that's found in you, however you call us to do it. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in this place today. Send us out of here, Lord, in your strength and in your power and in your love. We glorify you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You're dismissed and have a great week.